episode 160 of the All the Book Show, recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library, where we talk book news, author news, literary news, literary events, author mm-hmm. events, book reviews. So many different things. Books, obituaries. Yeah, really? Yeah, when books wow. when books die and go to heaven. Okay. Or hell. Okay. Book hell. Yeah. What Could do you think be. that is? Could be. A blockbuster? Mm. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, a book in Blockbuster? Probably like a library bag sale is where they yeah. go. You know, they're just sitting around yeah. hoping somebody will be like, all right, yeah. and toss them into a bag. Uh, listen, kids, Blockbuster used to be a video a store video chain store where in you which you could go into the store. Physical copies and of things. I don't have to explain that to people around here because we have a family video. It's, it's, it's thriving. I went in there, it's and they're thriving. just like, yeah, take take any movies you yeah. want. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. There's like there's always signs they're like now hiring. I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah, it always says we're growing. Really? Family video, we're growing. Good for you. Yeah. What's Good streaming? For you. We don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need it. Don't yeah. care. Well, un- a lot of a lot of unreliable internet in these parts. So That's true. In this area, you know, uh, that's the whole thing. You know what doesn't buffer a DVD? It skips though. They skip a lot. Yeah, sometimes yeah, you have to my- buff up the DVDs. <laughs> Is that yeah. your physical comedy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are hot right now. Oh, I know, I know. Th- these mics are hot. They are hot. They're hot. So It's been a little while because we recorded early last time for Labor Day, so... Prove it. You know. Prove it? <laughs> okay, yeah, right. That's a weird What was challenge. it? We recorded Friday, right? Yeah, we recorded Friday before Labor Day. Then we Day. had a Labor Day. Yeah. Nice long It has weekend. been a long time. I know. Uh, during, that, during that long stretch, I visited two libraries in our system. I visited the Cohocton Library, and I visited the Atlanta Library. The Cohocton Library is uh-huh. in an old, like flooring showroom so okay. it's just filled with these weird spaces where like okay this is linoleum and this is carpet it was so cool though right i really like to i really like seeing it okay. the atlanta library is is so cool it's a very small like triangular building in, in the town of atlanta which is like it's the only game in town atlanta georgia no oh. atlanta new york okay they do uh, a, every every Thursday morning. They do coffee. They do an annual community dinner where everybody just like brings a dish to pass. Mm-hmm. They do uh, square dancing, hmm. line dancing. Sorry, line dancing. Yeah, a hop, it's a happening place. A little peek I, into I, rural I've never New York there. there. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So anyway, thank you, Belinda and Phil, for showing me your libraries. Which brings up another good library-related point. Okay. That right now, we're doing a big push to get everybody to know that you can use any library in our system, 48 libraries. So we've got little stickers that you can get on your library cards that remind you of that. Nice. So stop in any of the libraries. Nothing check them out. sicker than a sticker. That's for, yeah. Bring it up. Bring, oh. <laughs> so glad hey, people got that on yeah, video. Yeah, for people who aren't watching, Nick and I just missed the, we the missed, high five. We missed a high five. It was like, fine. Yeah. It was like we were both wearing monocles that yeah. were set at different prescriptions. You're right. You're right. So... Ooh, busy week, long week. Yeah, uh, we've got our play coming up in the auditorium. She loves me, uh, the musical. This sounds like library news. I, well, no, no, I, I guess it makes I sense. directed this this show ten years ago, and we're doing a like a revival, I guess, with some of the original cast. We're going right. to be talking to some of the cast members a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's coming up, and you can catch the show this weekend uh, in Houghton Thursday and Friday. The seven o'clock shows here. We got free shows Ooh. Saturday at seven, free. Sunday at two. So we'll be talking to the cast a little bit later in this episode. But right now, uh-huh. uh, let's let's get into the old bookmark. See what, bookmark. see what we've been reading. Yeah. See what we've been watching. Maybe. Man, I want to. Do you? Yeah. All right. Well, I finished some graphic novels. Uh, I finished. Oh, you're gonna start. Mm-hmm. Everybody next gonna start. Superman, Wonder Woman, Volume Three. I think Casualty of War, featuring Superman and Wonder Woman and their love. Uh, not great. Can I? Can I say something about this? Yeah. Never yeah. has a book about dating been so dated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. I, that, remember earlier before we recorded, yeah. I said I had a sick burn and that, that was going to just throw people through a loop. It. 
it was that. that. Was it. Yeah. Well, if it helps, I wish Superman and Wonder Woman would kiss dating goodbye. So that's a dating. That's a dated dating Ref, reference. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, and a very like audience specific. Yeah, reference. You're right. Only okay. Yeah, only a handful of people are gonna get that. That's fine. Uh, let's see. I read Red Hood and the Outlaws. Oh, that's all you have to say about this. Super. I mean, there are a couple. Fine. Of it's just it's fine. It's a Superman Wonder Woman series. Something that's I a thought love I wanted in the stars that I learned that I do not in fact want. Okay. Red Hood and the Outlaws Volume Three: Bizarro Reborn. Nobody was, loves his Bizarro like Nick. I know. I was kind of enjoying this, uh-huh. and then there's a there's a change that happens to the Bizarro character in the middle of this and mm-hmm. it's just like what are you doing nick's goodreads review is real rough for a marvel fan like me because he just kept being <laughs> at one point he's like i'm tired of reading marvel's superman I'm well, like, i haven't even what the heck yet, that so. sounds great and i want and he described bizarro as like i guess bizarro is fun if you like reading beast and i'm like what he no, just the point that i was trying to yeah. okay so in yeah. this bizarro goes from being the bizarro that we all know and don't like uh, do you, is that bizarro just, talk for do like? No, we don't like him. Oh. And then he goes to being like all upper crusty, like Kelsey Grammary. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it doesn't fit. Like, uh-huh. if you want to read Beast, read Marvel comics featuring Beast. Okay. Don't read like Red Hood and the Outlaws. And to your next point, uh, Superman American Alien by Max Landis. In my review, I said I was tired of reading Marvel's Superman, and I knew that was going to tick you off. So let me explain <laughs> to you what I mean. Yeah. Marvel always goes the extra mile to really like personalize the characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you know Spider-Man's favorite food. You know what I mean? You know Lasagna. Like, what Tony Stark <laughs> no, wants to do on the weekends. You right. know, like their internal struggle. I mean, Marvel uh-huh. has kind of cornered the market on giving you these very realistic, very realistic world mm-hmm. and very realistic like superheroes. DC doesn't really do that. Like, mm-hmm. what does Batman do when he's not Batman? Shut up. It doesn't matter. Is yeah, DC's he's just Batman, yeah. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And, like, what about Superman's doubts? Well, he's Superman, so shut up. Yeah. It's usually the DC approach, which right. I like. And lately, like, with Superman, they've been trying to be like, no, 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 he's got all this power, but he's just a bro. Yeah. He's just a bro like you and me. Yeah. And this was just all about how normal Superman is. Okay. And I just, I don't know. I was yeah. like, well, great. That's not Superman, you know? Yeah. Superman is... Superman's goodness is his defining characteristics. It's the only thing that like sells that Superman. No, he likes going putt putt every Sunday yeah, exactly. with his wife and his mom. Which he would if it was a Marvel comic. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. It's just not <laughs> Superman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so this whole thing was just about really like bringing Superman so down to earth that there's mm-hmm. really no recognizable characteristics. And I like Superman being this distant beacon who just brings goodness he just brings like you look for you look for darkness you look for like you know these flaws and he just doesn't really have them and that's Mm -hmm. what that's i think what makes the character both difficult to work with but interesting to read about because Uh, you have to find ways to make that work in like a society where that is not the norm Mm -hmm. so i think to strip that away you have a million other characters like that done in a better way by marvel yeah so I, I think I think you still have an attitude about it. No, so no, I think that you I'm should read it. it. I just I keep trying to come up with other things you could be like other stuff. It, yeah. I think that you should read it. American I Alien? think that you'll get Isn't it. Max Landis kind of like a tool. I don't know. I think online he's kind of just like a blah 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 I blah. I don't really kind know of anything about him. No. But the book was fine, and some of it. Max it's one of those ones where it changes styles every issue. Mm-hmm. Some I really liked, and some were just like. Bleh. For I think Max Landis is like a screenwriter. Yeah. Who they based, who's. The Lex Luthor is based on in Batman v Superman. That's Jesse Eisenberg's take. Oh, 
I see. Yeah. Well, he looks like him. Well, I, I think up. like the way he acts and everything, you have Max Landis to blame. Okay. So it looks like Mac Land- Max Landis is really peeving you off in the Superman world on I, purpose. I guess he is, yeah. Just all right. going all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. What else you Oh, read? I see. He wrote Chronicle. Oh, sure. The movie Chronicle. He wrote the movie Chronicle. And the movie Bright, which everyone loves. Oh, no, I haven't seen that, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. All right, what else? What else did you read? Sorry. Oh, okay. well, no, let's talk bright. No, no, no. Uh, I finished. With special guest, oh, you know Will else? Smith. You know what else I'm reading? <laughs> Say, what, what? I'm reading <laughs> Tim Seeley's uh, run on Grayson. I'm reading a giant omnibus. You can't imagine how big this thing is. You probably can't imagine it? it. But it's very big. Yeah. And Hence this, the title, this is where omnibus. Dick Grayson is not Robin. He's not Nightwing. He's just like a super cool secret agent. Super cool. Uh, I read the first volume and was just kind of like, eh. But I'm reading all this other stuff sort of after it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I love Dick Grayson as a character, so I feel like I have to read this. And so mm-hmm. I got the nice big chunky omnibus. And I'm liking it a little more yeah. this time around. Okay. Uh, Grayson, Nightwing, secret agent, superstar. Yes. Um, I also read Odds On by Michael Crichton. His first published work writing is uh, John Lang. Yeah. And we're going to do a whole episode on the, his debut. As soon as so, I finish it. As soon as Eric finishes it. So I'm not going to talk about it much now. Yeah. And it's not just because it would be R-rated because of all the sex. I'm not yeah. I'm not even going to mention it. I'm only like 40 pages into it. Yeah. So there's been like, what, 38 sex yeah. scenes? Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's intense. I finished Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste and Jane. Ah! Or, sorry, Celeste it? Ing, as it's pronounced. That's what you, that's what you do every time Celeste I say Little Ing. Fires Everywhere. You go, <laughs> ah! Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, it's my thing. You're reacting. Anyway, I finally got around to reading it. Good I've job. actually had it on hold from Overdrive for mm-hmm. like months, and it finally just came. Yay. And this is one where she she basically weaves this tapestry of characters. Ooh. You start following this character, and then it's like this character's friend, and then this character's friend's mom, and then this character's friend's mom's coworker, and it just keeps going like that. Okay. And so, you know, there are moments in it where I was kind of like, I, I don't I don't want to talk about the character I'm interested in it's orthodontist like I don't want that uh, so I got a little impatient here and there but you know you got to have patience because by the end of it <laughs> I guess that's true you do uh, by the end of it uh-huh. you know it really starts to cook where there's so many different things where it's like but if that happens what about that person and that person mm-hmm. and that person so it's all going somewhere right you know what I mean so that's the thing when you're reading it you got to remember all of these little turns, they're purposeful okay. and they're very well done. So by the end, I was I not only really <gasps> That's liked the all book, the little fires everywhere, but I, I was get it. very impressed that she was able to make these characters interesting, sell moving right. from person to person, and I really felt like at at one point, at least one point throughout the book, you uh-huh. felt like the character you were reading was the main protagonist, even though mm. they were one of. 30 you okay. know and certainly there's there's more clear like this person is a is a very primary character right uh but even so every time we took these little divergent paths you had a moment where you kind of felt like you were reading a book about that person so hats off to celestine on that i'm very impressed it always amuses me when you talk about like auxiliary characters and focusing on them to be boring because you like stephen king yeah and that's like his bread and butter, well, too. Well, I mean, done well, it's very effective, but yeah. it's hard to do well. And yeah. Stephen King does not do it well every time. That's true. Let me tell you. You know who does it well? Who? That, I can't remember the name of the guy who cool. wrote that <laughs> book that takes place kind of around here that we read in the house. Old man. Old man had crazy ex-wife. Family. I don't, I don't know. Son. You and I read it? Yeah. As like a book club? Yeah. Nobody's Fool. Oh, yeah. There but we, we hated that. Yeah, I know. I was oh, kidding. It was just sarcasm. It was sarcasm. Okay. But the sarcasm didn't land because I couldn't remember the title of yeah. the book. Although, uh, as while we're taking a dig at Richard Russo, I do there have to mention go. that Bridge of Sighs, one of my all-time favorite <laughs> books, 
written by Richard Russo. Uh, so yeah, take that, know, Richard. Take Russo. it with a grain of salt. Uh, and finally, nope. um Oh, go on. No, go on. Finally, for books I finished, oh. uh, I finished Haunted Ooh. by James Patterson and James O'Born. Yeah. This is a Michael Bennett novel. Deep Michael Bennett. Bennett is an NYPD cop who has like 10 kids. Hmm. Uh, I read the first one forever ago, and I just, I have been so stressed with this play, uh-huh. and, like all the other things going on. I was like, I just need. Like James Patterson. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I was in Walmart. Go on. I just buying a James Patterson in Walmart is Wait, like. Are you so like rich and posh that we're supposed to be like what? No, no, Nick Gunning. No, not that I was in Walmart, in Walmart, but I think there's something kind of funny about the James like, Patterson buying a James Patterson book in mm-hmm. a Walmart because they both yeah. sort of occupy the same space yeah. in their various like. Yeah. Can I see your wrist? Worlds. I just need to check your privilege right about now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like <laughs> James Patterson is kind of like the Walmart of authors. <laughs> Jeez. All right. The All the Book Show is not an elitist <laughs> podcast. There's, I, that's not a knock against Walmart. No, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Forget it. Wait, who? if it's not a knock against Walmart... <laughs> no, I'm just saying they're both... Sure. There's, there's no way. James Patterson's the McDonald's. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Well, that's a good example. Yeah. That's a good example. Hey, I love a good McDonald's French fry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway... This was fine. It was okay. just what I would come to expect from a James Patterson. It moved quickly. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It kept my interest. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm currently reading... We don't have a Walmart in town, and I think I know why now. We don't, it was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm currently reading Shout, The Beatles and Their Generation by Philip now. Norman. What's it called? Uh, Shout. A little bit louder now. Shout. Was, a little bit louder now. Shout. Stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, a little bit softer now. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I know I read Philip Norman's John Lennon biography and I loved it. Uh-huh. I have not read this, nor have I read his uh, Paul McCartney biography because Philip Norman, as far as like Beatle historians go, is legendary <laughs> for his like dripping contempt for Paul McCartney. Is that true? It is. And huh. so I don't know why you would ever pick Philip Norman to write a biography of Paul McCartney, but I didn't even. Why? I wasn't even. Why would you write about the Beatles if you hated he one of their most he, important members. He is like one hundred percent team John Lennon. He's oh, he's boy. he's in the he's in the realm of like if John Lennon Gen, John Lennon did it, it must have been good, and it must have been for like a deep and philosophical reason. So he hasn't actually listened to Lennon's solo work. <laughs> fair, fair. But anyway, I picked this up at a book sale, uh, and I did really like. I thought the Lennon book was really well written, if not a little glowing. Uh, so we'll see. I haven't really got into the whole Lennon-McCartney dynamic in this book yet. So we're going to see when... Uh, I think basically he thinks that McCartney is is like a, a showboat, an egotistical showboat. Well, is he? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't... I mean, I guess it's hard. I think it's hard to say that Paul McCartney is egotistical because he's also like the most successful like uh-huh. artist of all time. So, you know, it's okay. kind of hard to... I mean, maybe he just really is that good. Right. And it would be hard to sort of... So I'm sure he has an ego. I'm sure he has that to him. Mm-hmm. But I guess I think he's also earned a little bit of that. Okay. So I don't know. I haven't gotten to the I haven't gotten to the divisive parts of this book yet. So <laughs> we'll see how I feel. But okay. I'm gonna power through. I'm gonna do it. Jeez. Uh, I've also on the back burner. I've got. Oh my gosh. Uh, I started Farewell to Arms because we're doing that for our uh, book club uh-huh. uh, for Band Books Week and as part of History Week. So, but that that really is like back burner yeah. right now while I'm reading this other one. And I think that's it. Okay. Take it away. Whew. Uh, I didn't read as much as Nick. 
Nobody does. I'm, I was busy. He's a monster. A lot going on. He's a reading monster. What did I finish? That's what I'll start with. Yeah, tell me. Uh, I read Ultimate Iron Man. This is like a 10-issue origin story of the ultimate version of Iron Man. Ultimate version meaning the ultimate universe where Marvel has a, a separate continuity. And it's written by Orson Scott Card. And it, it ain't good. It ain't great. Really? It, it starts out fine. I was surprised when I saw that Orson Scott Card yeah, wrote it, Iron Man. I, I just didn't There's know. a lot about it that comes across like, oh, yes, this is Orson Scott Card. Uh-huh. Like, this just... It reads like his Does books. Does he say fart constantly? Or is no, that just but there's there's some stuff in there. You're like, oh, yeah, he's kind of a little bit of a bigot, isn't he? Um, but he also, he it's it's set in the Ultimate Universe, but it contradicts a lot of what we already know about the Iron Man oh, of the Ultimate oh. Universe. Okay. And I don't... Ugh. What? A creepy spider in this office dangling from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Well, Sorry. he just wants to be on the show. I guess he does. Yeah. yeah well, I've read a few things. We haven't had a guest in a while. So. Um... We're going to have, like, multiple guests today. Yeah. Spider can wait. He can be one of them. He's in the show. All right. Um, The thing is, like, it reads like if this was a separate Elseworld kind of story of Iron Man, it would be fine. But because it's set in a certain continuity, it just doesn't work. And it's always about a teenage Iron Man. But Iron Man in the Ultimate Universe, when we meet him, is, like, in his 30s. So it's just, it's like, it's weird. He becomes Iron Man at the end of it. And then it's like, so he was just secretly Iron Man for 20 more years or something? Weird. Yeah, it was it was real weird. Uh, and the art is good in the first half and bad in the second half. Mm, I hate when that happens. Uh, but the reason I read Ultimate Iron Man is because guess what? I'm back in the Ultimate Universe. Yes. Uh, so again, in like 2000, Marvel started an Ultimate line yeah. where they restarted their continuity, but modern day. And I stopped reading it in like 2006. Okay. Because I was, except for, I read Ultimate Spider Man all the way through, but I stopped reading Ultimate X Men and their Ultimate version of the Avengers in 2006 because I didn't have the money. And then I started school. Uh, So I decided to get back in on my Marvel Unlimited app. That's pretty dated, isn't it? Ultimate? Yeah. It's it it did when I came back in I was like oh right these versions of the characters and like they do feel a little dated I think especially I, I haven't read a ton of Ultimates but I remember Ultimate X Men feeling very dated Iceman is very bro yeah he's very like where's my Xbox 360 I'm Iceman <laughs> um he like he he's the he kind of guy man. who's like Xbox name would be Iceman rocks with an X at the end yeah yeah because he's an X Men too yeah Iceman that's rocks. pretty clever actually yeah anyway uh. Well, the thing about Ultimate X-Men, like, when it started, Mark Millar wrote it, and he's very... He's not a subtle writer. He's very big. He's very, like, ridiculous. He People used to say he's the Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. He, he writes like Michael Bay. Back before, that was entirely a bad thing to say. <laughs> so, like, he's just about these big, cool moments that you can put a splash page on and that, like, you can remember and all these, like, quippy lines. But, like, there's not a lot of, like... Directed s- by Zack Snyder. Yeah. Um, but, like... For a long time, Ultimate X-Men, like, if somebody hadn't read comic books and they wanted to read something, I would give them my hardcover of Ultimate X-Men, the first 12 issues. Mm. And it, it always seemed to work because it was, like, it was cool. It was modern. They didn't have... It, they got to see, like, the origin. Um, and it, it Jean, had... Jean Grey's got that punk haircut. Jean Grey has the punk haircut. <laughs> um, but it always, it always seemed to work, and I always liked it. So what happened was, like... Mark Millar left, and he was like a superstar writer. Bendis took over, and that was bad. Brian K. Vaughn came in and took it over, but before he was like, Brian K. Vaughn! And then Robert Kirkman did, before Walking Dead was like a TV show and everything. 
I, I'm pretty sure. And I'm reading the Robert Kirkman stuff. It's not bad. The, the couple issues I've read, they're very hectic. Mm-hmm. And there feels, it feels like there's a lot of danger involved. Like, because it's, certain characters can die because it's an alternate universe. Right. It, it does kind of feel like earlier X-Men uh, years where it was a little bit more hectic and dangerous. Okay. Uh, where things weren't entirely written in stone. So I, I've been enjoying coming back. And so... Mm-hmm. I added on my ultimate on my Marvel Unlimited app all the ultimate titles I haven't read. So I'm gonna get into I'm gonna read I, all the Ultimate know, Avengers. I'm gonna Ultimatum, Ultimate Fantastic Four. Yeah. All of it. I Ultimate Fantastic Four is the one that I read the most of and yeah. I loved the way it started, but yeah. boy did that book smoke out. Yeah. I mean it just It's so the last Ultimate X Men I read is volume seventeen and on Goodreads a lot of people are complaining that like, oh, they're rushing through mm-hmm. everything. They're introducing too many ultimate versions of characters and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, this comic only lasted for 12 more issues. Right. So I think yeah. if you were going to get your ultimate version of Cable, ultimate Dazzler. now's the time. Yeah, she's been there for a while. Oh, has she's she? She's been there since the Brian K. Vaughn times. All right. So sorry. I thought that was going to be funny, ultimate, but it wasn't. <laughs> sorry, man. Ultimate Morph. No, yeah, he hasn't been there yet. All right. So, yeah, I'm going to be reading a lot more ultimate stuff. Um, Bring it. Bring it on. It's been... I still don't... I'd have to go back, but you know what? Even though it's dated, I still love, like, a lot of the first couple of Ultimate X-Men stuff. It's just so... I remember liking the first volume. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else did I read? No more... Ult- oh, I read Batman Volume 6 by Tom King. That's Bride or Burglar? Burglar. Burglar. There's no U between the G and the burglar. L. Yeah. Burglar. Uh, <laughs> this is where Batman is going to marry the Hamburglar. Yeah. <laughs> Batman and Hamburglar are getting hitched. Finally. And Hamburglar has to decide, is he going to be yeah. Batman's true love? Yeah. Or is he going to constantly just go steal hamburgers? Is he going to keep burgling? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, this is... I can't really tell you what this is about. It's just a couple of stories that are happening before the wedding volume. So, Catwoman at one point breaks into a bridal store and looks at dresses and thinks about her past with Batman. <sighs> Boy. I wish you wouldn't have told uh, me what happened. Poison Ivy takes over the whole world and Batman stops her. Uh, some kid wants to be Bruce Wayne, so he kills her, his parents. I don't know. Intense. It's it's very weird. It's not a great volume, but I think it's also just spinning its wheels yeah. to get to the wedding issue. So yeah. I still don't know how I feel about Catwoman and Batman getting married, uh, mainly because like she's a criminal. That Yes. Also, people who like Batman and Catwoman are married. Catwoman, Selena Kyle. Right. Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne got married. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So. so Batman and Catwoman are announcing to the world, we are married. I, maybe that's staying a secret. Yeah, but I think people will know Batman and Catwoman just keep running around. Yeah. Hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Solving crimes Getting together. Getting fro- froyo. So, yeah. That reminds me of the early 90s uh-huh. when Superman and Lois were going to get married in the comics. Right. And they wanted to time it with what was going on. So with they killed Superman. <gasps> Lois and Clark. Oh. And so they wrote... <laughs> the death of superman no, no but that is a good segue no oh. i was gonna say they kept <laughs> lois and clark kept having to like kick the can down the road because they kept putting off right. when the actual wedding was gonna happen which led to some dumb storylines on lois and clark okay superman was so embarrassed that he wished he would have had a death of superman wow so but he did yeah and then he, did. he had a death of superman then which he they did. turned into a movie which we just watched yeah which so. they turned into a movie 10 years ago yeah which we watched yeah. and honestly the hot take here uh-huh. i liked it better the original one? Yeah. Superman Doomsday. Yeah. Superman Doomsday was the first DC animated movie that they did. And it was like the first time they did any DC animated anything yeah. that wasn't 
like the cartoons yeah, we right, grew up with, like right. Justice League and, and everything. And all that, yeah. So all new like voice cast that we yeah. weren't used to. Yeah. And it was pretty good. It was. I really like it. I still yeah. have it. I still watch it. It's uh, what's Adam Baldwin from Firefly. It's, yeah. Uh, it's 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 a weird Superman. Yeah. Anne Hayes is Lois Lane. Yeah. Some weird choices. Jane Mars is from. Uh, I liked like his Buffy. Lex, yeah, I liked his Lex Luthor. Yeah, and he went on to play uh, Brainiac on yeah. Smallville. So. The problem with this, like the death of Superman, is that like we've seen it. Yeah. Multiple times. Right. We've read it multiple times. Right. It's in they did it in they did it poorly in Batman v Superman. They did everything poorly in Batman. Yeah, v that's Superman. true. And so like we're watching this like eighty minute movie so and boring. it's just like, yes, we know. We've yeah. seen this. Then nothing has nothing new yep. was brought to the table in a way that would make it like worth recommending. No, I, don't. I guess I would recommend Superman Doomsday over it because that changes things yeah. and compacts it. Yeah. They're making a second movie about the reign of Superman where like Superboy yeah. and Steel and Eradic is it Eradicator? Mm-hmm. And uh Cyborg Superman, they're there and everything. And that'd be more interesting, but like Sort of, but I mean if this is the yeah. version we're getting, I, yeah. I this gave me nothing. It gave me no hope. Yeah. I really don't like the current voice cast. Sorry, man. Even Rosario Dawson as Wonder Woman, which sounds like it should make sense. Yeah. I just yeah, it's all been a Doesn't weird for me. It's been a weird, weird ride. Not a fan. Um, so we do have this to the collection because yeah. I may have donated my copy after watching it. Oh, okay. But we do have it in the collection, folks. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm reading. I'm still reading The Witcher: Baptism of Fire. Which uh, I'm halfway. I'm about halfway through with it. Uh, these are long reads. I always forget how long they are. They're big. Um, and we did other uh, copies that I ordered have since come in since the last nice. episode. So they're yeah. being processed as we speak. I'm liking this volume more though, even though it's again. It's very much like he's now writing high, like political fantasy, as opposed to back when in the short stories where uh, Geralt was going around and solving right, mysteries right. and fighting monsters. At one yeah. point in the book, they're like, "We think there's a vampire in the graveyard." I'm like, "Really?" And then like, "There's no vampires in this area." It's like, "Darn it! <laughs> Come on, just deal with one vampire just for just single, like one chapter, just one." Uh, but I took a break so I could read Odds On. This, so I started that this weekend, nice. but I wasn't getting into it, so I'm going to have to, like, commit. Yeah. Uh, Once you do, it goes quickly. Okay. Uh, so I read... I've I, read some other John Lang stuff, like Early Crichton. I read Scratch One and Binary. Uh-huh. Uh, so I guess I kind of knew what I was getting into when oh, we started okay. it. it was, I'm sure it's probably more jarring it, for you. It reads like Crichton, just not... It reads like the style, but not the skill. Yeah, like an underdeveloped, topic. unpolished. Yeah. yeah, it makes perfect sense, but yeah. we'll talk about it more next week. Um. And I saw the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, this weekend and with my wife. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, uh, I so, do want to read the book. So Kendra, my wife, was like, "Let's and go our... see Crazy Rich Asians." I was like, "Okay." She thought we were going to see like some crazy like high comedy. Oh, you know, like this is right. forty or whatever, and yeah. it's called Crazy Rich Asians. And instead. She didn't realize it was a romantic comedy, yeah. which I knew it was. Right. So she was apologizing afterwards. Like, I'm sorry. I thought this was a comedy. But I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was very funny. It was uh, really funny. Okay. Lots of times. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely planning to see it. Uh, so. Something's happened to me as I get older yeah, where what? like, I cry now at movies that really? normally I wouldn't have. Like at the end of this movie, I cried. Well, and you're I'm more in touch with your feelings. I guess what happened was I started. Good for you. I felt it. And normally I like fight that back. But this time I'm like, I'm just going to cry. Yeah. That's fine. I'm Let tired of it. Let it's, it out. Same thing happened before we watched Superman at your house because you were watching Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. I don't even like that movie. Yeah. And at the end, he's doing his little speech about a bad guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to cry now. Huh. It's just. Good for you. So either I'm in a really dark place right now and I don't know it or I'm just like. Nah, sounds I'm like you're gonna... in a good place. Oh, that's yeah. what I think. That's my hot take. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, yes, very funny. Kevin Kwan. I don't, I don't know that. if there's a trilogy. The books. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna do uh, the other movies, mm-hmm. uh, like the other books into movies. Mm-hmm. But um, the whole cast is in it. Uh, Captain from 
Star Trek, the first couple episodes of Discovery. Oh, yeah. I can't think of her name. Michelle Yao. Yes, Michelle Yao is in it. Um, and it's funny like seeing her now and be like, oh, you're the action star as well. Right. Because she was like a big action star in yeah. the 90s. Oh, so much yeah. they put her in James Bond. Right. They put her in uh, Die Another... No, no, Tomorrow Never Tomorrow Dies. dies yeah. So, but now she's playing, you know, she's playing slightly more like refined characters, yeah. it seems like. She's, she's one of the best parts about Star Trek Discovery. But she's only in it for two episodes. Okay. <gasps> Gasp. Um, yeah, uh, Kevin Zhang is in it. Mm-hmm. He's pretty funny, yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Chang from The Daily Show as well. Is he? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so the whole uh, the whole movie is very good. I would definitely recommend Great. going and seeing it. Um, I guess that's, that's it. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to some book news. So the National Book Awards, uh, the long oh, list snap. is dropping this week. So it's not out as we record. It's not out yet. So for next week, we'll be able to cover the long list a little bit for you there. So that's coming. Okay. Uh, way way back about 30 episodes ago uh-huh we sat down and had a chat with elizabeth elo author of north of boston which we did for the book club we did an uh, interview yeah we did i was a big fan of this book uh and in that interview she was talking a little bit about something that she was working on um set in siberia and the cold and uh, so she gave us a little bit of a taste of that at the time she didn't have she didn't she didn't give us a title she didn't right. have a set date for when it was coming out but it was something that she was working on it was pretty anticipated because north of boston did very well um anyway we just got the news that uh finding katarina m as it's called mm-hmm. will be coming out in march of 2019 so this is a seriously advanced notice here super um so i sent elizabeth a quick note just congratulating her on that and saying we'd love to have her back on the podcast so hopefully we can work that out because she uh she indicated she wanted to come back and talk to us about this uh uh, as it got a little bit closer so hopefully we can set that up in the future uh if you want to hear the first interview that we did with her that is episode 132 i recommend picking up north of boston and looking forward to finding katarina m coming out in march of 2019 here's a recreation of the interview i'll okay. be playing nick okay you play uh elizabeth elizabeth okay. uh hi me nick hmm. what you do hmm. you sounded so much better on the phone this this must be a, a joke <laughs> sorry yeah that anyway. was a drama that was a dramatization Drama uh, drama dramatization liberties were taken <laughs> liberties were taken no. uh and the proof is in episode 132 of the all the books there show which go. you can find at yeah. soundcloud.com slash all the books or on itunes that was kind of like bizarro nick yeah a little bit yeah. a little who, bit who am nick who am nick <laughs> who am nick would you do you know there's a young adult series called the chronicles of nick no i didn't i sent them out to the stacks it, they check out every day but i couldn't do it that's rude. No, I'm kidding. That's so rude. <laughs> they're they're older. Any news on uh, Frank Miller's Carrie Kelly YA book that's supposed to be coming out? Oh no, you heard anything about that? You are uh, every time you mention it, you're constantly totally reminding me it's a thing. Okay. All right, are you going to read that? I think so. Do you like Carrie Kelly? I, I do. I think it's a graphic novel anyway, like a uh, YA graphic ooh, novel. I hope somebody else is doing the art. Me too, because his art style is definitely not yeah, the kind that crazy. kids will flock to. No, no. Look how scribbly he is. Or they might be like, oh hey, that's what I did in fourth grade. Yeah, that's and then true. Like that. Yeah. All right. Oh, poor Frank Miller. Uh, well, let's see. All right, sorry. I have, a, <laughs> I have a weird dinging. Do you hear that weird dinging? Yeah, somebody's breaking into your car. Okay. Gosh. Anyway, uh, advance notices. So here are some of the things we have coming down the road. Uh, this is coming in November, mm-hmm. and the first up we have Sea of Greed, Greed, not Green. Sea of Greed. Sea of by Greed by Clive Cussler and Graham Brown. Uh, uh, this covers a little bit more exciting than Ben. It is. It's still not. I still miss like the jungle. Scapes. Oh, I do too. Yeah. So. Yeah, but boy, Clive Cussler. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Graham Brown. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought what? He'd still be going. 
Yeah, didn't we, we teased him last time, and then we looked up his age, and we're like, oh, okay, it makes sense now. Yeah. He's 87 years 87 old. 87 years old. He was born July 15th, 1931. Yeah. He has seen multiple wars, yeah. moon landings, yeah. and we're making fun of him because his cover art doesn't have a jungle scape anymore. Yeah, I so. know. I know. Yeah. Oh, speaking of people in their 80s, I was so sad to hear about Burt Reynolds. Oh. I love Burt Reynolds. I'm sorry, man. I loved Evening Shade. Uh-huh. I loved Smokey and the Bandit. Never seen. I... I feel like I've seen Smokey the Bandit 100 times. Wow. There's three of them. Uh-huh. I love all three of them. <laughs> They're just Burt Reynolds and Sally Field, like, driving cars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, you do like Sally I mean, Field. Jackie Gleason is there as well. Is that where your Sally Field love comes from? I think it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, They're so great in that. I didn't know that. Anyway, Burt Reynolds. we got a lot of Burt Reynolds movies in the collection as well right. as his biography and that sort of thing. So if you're a Burt Reynolds fan like yeah. me and are looking to yeah. find some Burt. Yeah. All Dogs. Oh. All dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. Yeah. Absolutely. Not the second one. They replaced Burt Reynolds with Charlie Sheen. I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, I think so was Burt Reynolds and Charlie Sheen. Probably. Okay, back to Clive Cussler from uh-huh. the number one New York Times bestselling Master of Adventure, a brand new mission for Kurt Austin and the Numa crew based on a remarkable historical ah, incident. Numa. So this is split between 1968 and the present day. Oh. You know what? That brings up a good point. Uh-huh. Uh, calling him the Master of Adventure because usually I'm a little like, is he really when uh-huh. I do that? But who else writes adventure novels? Like a Clive Cussler. Anymore? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I know. I can't think of another. Yeah. I mean, there probably is someone it's out there. It's all about, but... like, slightly self-destructive women yes. either seeing or committing a murder. Right, right. So. Yep. Yeah. But there aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of, like, this is going to be, you're yeah. going to have, like, a, a fight scene on top of a moving Jeep yeah. or, you know. Well, yeah. See? Put that in Girl on the Train. Yeah. Have her fight the killer <laughs> on top of the train. Well, I mean, she's so drunk. She could never stand up. That's on even a train. more dangerous. It is. She's like, oh, no. It is. Sea no. of Greed by Clive yeah. Kessler and Graham Brown. Yeah. Uh, Listeners, boy. if you know who's right, oh, who, who would be like the new adventure yeah, writer. The new, yeah. Let us Clive know. Kessler's heir apparent. I'd love to know. <laughs> I'd love to hear yeah, it. Also, if you're writing the book, Clive Kessler's heir apparent, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll, send us the We'd love to have you on the show <laughs> as sure. well. Um, boy, you can't you can't keep this author down even if you try. Janet Ivanovich, back with book number twenty five. Yeah, you told me to find the cover for Look Alive, but you didn't tell me it was Look Alive twenty five. Oh, okay, so you didn't find it? No, I found it. Oh, but what are you complaining about? I don't know. I gave you most of the title and the author's last name. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, round of applause for Sherlock Holmes for solving that mystery. Mm. Janet Ivanovich, Look Alive twenty five. Stephanie Plum. There's nothing like a good deli, and the Red River Deli in Trenton is one of the best. World famous for its pastrami coleslaw and for uh, its disappearing managers. Over yikes. the last month, three have vanished from the face of the earth. Only what? clue in each case is one shoe that's been left behind. The police are baffled. Lulu is convinced that it's a case of alien abduction. Lulu. Whatever it is, they'd better figure out what's going on before they lose their new manager, Ms. Stephanie Plum. Stephanie Plum. Okay. Catherine Heigl, call your agent. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Probably should have called her. Katie agent. Heigl's agent's not taking her calls anymore. Yeah. I'm quite sure. So. When you join like season nine uh-huh. of a USA show, uh-huh. y- your star is falling Sorry. a little yeah. bit. Sorry. With, apo- with apologies to Catherine, Catherine Heigl's agent, those who have worked with Catherine Heigl. Yeah. Uh, so that's coming out. When in- you when you start reading the summary of this book, yeah, it sounded like you were doing a song in like a big show, like oh, this was the opening there's number. Thing like a good deli, like that. Yeah, but and the, next... the Red River Deli in Trenton is one of the best. Yeah, there you go. World fame. Okay, um, so. I don't think there's any music in that. And we're now, putting on a show. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> in a barn. <laughs> That's it. Uh, I only read one Janet Ivanovich right. books, and boy, if I could turn back time, 
I would have read. <laughs> Are you ready for that? Uh, <laughs> sorry. That was great. The next one is funny. Can you turn off share? Yeah. I'm trying to do a share hold impression. Share. All right. All right. If you could turn back time. That was my share impression. That was impression. mostly just you singing like yourself. No, that was my impression. Of share. Yeah. Okay. Can you turn share back on now? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> so it's the same thing except for like Cher's got her head in a pillowcase. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's oh, great. With apologies to Cher. <laughs> uh, new from Richard Paul Evans, the oh, sure. King of Christmas. If he wants to get in a fist fight with Johnny, yeah. Mavis. Who do we say is the Queen of Christmas? Is that the Debbie? Queen of Debbie McCumber? Is is that who we say? Probably. No, that's not it. She could be. Okay, she could be. And Perry could also. I mean, she's always writing those Christmas but novels. But Richard Paul Evans is the king. I mean, it's a tough call between him and Johnny Mathis, I think. Okay. But Richard Paul Evans, the author. Isn't Johnny Mathis a singer? He is a singer. Oh, he's... So in different arenas. Oh, sure. Yeah. This one's funny because it's called The Noel Stranger. Uh-huh. And when I first read it, I thought it said The Noel Strangler. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Richard Paul <laughs> Evans is going dark. Yeah, he's going after that girl in the train wow. money. Yeah, seriously. So. Anyway. Uh, Listen, oh, we look got right a... here. It what? says, from the King of Christmas. Oh, there I you go. I wasn't even making he it is. up. Yeah. From the King of Christmas. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, this is Richard long. Paul Evans is the long. king of Christmas. Stephen King. I'm gonna read. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Probably. This blew my Christmas socks off. Stephen King. <laughs> Maggie Walter feels like her world is imploding. Oh, that geez. could be a song. Maggie Walter feels like. No, you know. Oh, you don't feel I see. That time. <laughs> Sorry, I was Pub- publicly humiliated after her husband, a local councilman, is arrested for bigamy. Wow. Well, at least he tried to do the right yeah. thing and married the other lady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than just an affair. Yeah. Marriage isn't bigamy. It's big of us. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> that was so stupid. Uh, arrested for bigamy and her subsequent divorce, she has isolated herself from the world. From her only friend, she gets insistence that Maggie climb out of her role and embrace the season to get out of her funk. Maggie decides to put on a Christmas tree and put put up a, put on a Christmas tree. Maggie decides to put Jeez. up a Christmas tree and heads off to buy one, albeit reluctantly. She's immediately taken by Andrew, the kind, handsome man yeah. who owns a Christmas tree lot. The Noel Strangler. I don't know if she wants to. I mean, coming out of a rocky relationship, she want to align herself with somebody who only has seasonal work. <laughs> I just. <laughs> you think as, this is it? As far as stability, I just you don't think he, know. he works twenty four days of the year. I guess if he does really, I mean, if he's just slammed from yeah. say Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve. Right. And he can just... He's like the pizza shop that's only open on a Saturday for four hours. Just cash the checks. Makes the pizza. Uh, All I'm saying is, Maggie, you want to tread lightly because you got your Christmas goggles on, honey. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyway, he owns the Christmas tree lot and delivers her the tree. Okay. He's also the delivery boy for his own Christmas business. I have a hot Christmas tree for delivery. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of red and green flags, Maggie. She soon learns that Andrew is single. Yeah, doy. And new to her city. And like her, is also starting life anew. Well, maybe because he killed someone. (laughs) Maybe he's the Christmas strangler. Yeah. As their friendship develops, Maggie slowly begins to trust again, something she never thought possible. And just when she thinks she's finally found happiness, she discovers a dark secret from Andrew's past. (laughs) He's the Noel strangler. That last part was probably made up, it's I would made assume. Up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is there more to this stranger's truth? What? Is there more to this stranger's truth than meets the eye? Yeah. The powerful new holiday novel from Richard Paul Evans, the, quote, king of Christmas fiction, uh-huh. according to the New York Times, yeah. explores the true power of the season, redemption, and the freedom that comes from forgiveness. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot going on in this. A lot. Um, yeah. Too much. I think too we much. made fun of what 
kind of just reads like a standard Christmas story. Yeah, it does. <laughs> You're right. Nothing in here is really You're out, right. but Nick's Nick's okay. right. Yeah, and you, that's that's going to be a rebound. Yeah, and they're going to have to be reminded yeah. of that rebound. He's got to be careful every Christmas. I think you just got to be careful. Yeah, that's it for me for advance notices. That almost reads like a Nicholas Sparks. If there was like one more element of danger, yeah. in there. and somebody has to like die as yeah. well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but. Maggie's being chased by yeah. her ex-husband. Yeah, Andrew's cutting down more than Christmas trees. Yeah. Maggie cleaves to her newfound friend, yeah. Jake, <laughs> owner of an antique shop. Yeah, yeah. Has like a 10-year-old, a uh, what's the dog oh, with yeah. the saggy face? Not, oh. not a beagle. Oh, I thought you could say like a 10-year-old daughter. Oh, like sure. Jake's a single dad. Okay, that's, yeah, single that's dad. That's Nicholas Sparks all day long. Yeah, single single dad. Uh, we do have a Nicholas Sparks episode. Are we going to have episode. a Christmas as a family this year, Dad? <laughs> I sure hope so. Episode 78, everyone. Wow, that was a while ago. Is our Nicholas Sparks spotlight featuring Kendra Mickles, yeah. who has started her own podcast. That's true. Do you want to give us a shout out? To, yeah, uh, she she started a podcast with her brother, yeah. Corbin Andrews. Corbin, and her, Corbin. And her cousin, Christian Flincham. And she's Kendra Mickles. So that's three people all related. Yeah. Not a single similar last name there. Not a singular last name. What's it called? Nostalgia Me This. Look for Nostalgia Me This. It's it's a podcast where they're talking about things. Each week, one of them brings something that they're nostalgic about to the other two. And they have to like watch it. Okay. And it was weird. The pilot is her brother. Mm -hmm. And he's bringing Last Samurai. And I was like, that's really weird. That's not an old film. Yeah. But it is. It came out in 2003. So it's 15 years old. Fun story. And like... I guess for me, it was just like, because I, I watch it still, yeah. so I haven't gotten nostalgic about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this film I didn't, this is nostalgic now for yeah. some people. Yeah, so, apparently. Uh, this yeah. Here's a fun story that ties it in with Michael Crichton. Uh, huh. I had a group of friends, we were going to the movies, uh-huh. and they wanted to see The Last Samurai. Uh-huh. Oh, and I was I like, you... I was like, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see like Tom Cruise be a samurai. Let's go see Timeline. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I, there's a, there's a lot of grudges. That's, yeah. That caused me a lot of friendships. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. It really did. Anyway, if you want to hear more about Nicholas Sparks and see if Kendra's any good at podcasting, you can listen to our yeah. episode 78 or our more recent Broadway episode. That's true. She was on the Broadway episode. Anyway. So they're, uh, sec- oh, you like second episode. They talked about Rockadoodle. <gasps> I love so, Rockadoodle. That, that comes out soon, too. Hashtag Don Bluth forever. So, all right. Yeah. Let's hear the New York Times bestseller list. All right. This is the New York Times bestseller list for I just hardcover fiction. They know. Uh, kind of a strange week. Oh, so that's fun. Some things are back. Some things are new. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things are old. Some things are blue. Okay. Isn't that what you do at a wedding? Uh, yeah. You, something blue, something, something old. old. Something new, something borrowed, something yeah. blue. Uh. And sometimes, like in like mean comedies, like somebody's like, "Oh, there's my something old," and yeah. they point at like a the mom-in-law. Or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Okay. Anyways, number ten is there. There by um, Tommy Orange. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> His name is Orange. Okay. <laughs> okay. There, so there by Tommy it's not Orange. Funny. It's not a multi-generational funny at all. story exploring the plight of urban Native American. Sorry, everybody. Nick's on a tear today, <laughs> so uh, I don't know what this is. This is the only fun I've had in the last two weeks, so please. <laughs> number please. nine. Number nine. Before we were yours, Lisa Wingate. This book's not going anywhere. It's not. I think I'm turning this into a very depressing movie starring Jessica Chastain. Probably. <laughs> a South Carolina lawyer learns about the questionable practice of a Tennessee orphanage. Jeez. Is she the actress now that I think about like for these kind of like stories? Jessica Chastain? Yeah. Brie Larson, maybe? Yeah. She tends to be in I stuff. think Amy Adams, maybe a while ago. Aged out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Jeez. Uh, but she now, can run the orphanage. But now I'm like, no, Jessica Chastain. She's the she's the lawyer. Has Jessica Chastain done work in a while? I feel like she's... she was in Molly. That was Oscar nominated. Molly's game. Molly's the Aaron game. Sorkin thing. Yeah. Nobody saw that. 
and said, nobody she's gonna liked be, it. She's going to be in... People liked it. No, they didn't. I think they did. I don't think so. She's going to be in It 2. She's it playing two. the adult version of that character. It 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wish more people would use Electric Boogaloo as the... I don't even know who did. Yeah. Who Who is it? Who... It's uh, every time I look it up, I think it's, isn't I'm in, it in a movie? Yeah, it is. It is, but I always think it's going to be something that I know, but it's not. Uh huh. Breakin, Breakin Two, Electric Boogaloo. All right. Well, now we know the origin. Uh, number eight, Sherilyn Kenyon. This book is called Stygian or yes. Stygian. Look out! A Dark Hunter novel. The 29th book in the Dark... 29? Yeah, yeah. 29th book in the Dark Hunter people series. People love their sexy wolf people. A trained slayer forms alliances with enemies. Mm-hmm. They get sexy back tattoos and fight each other. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, I told, I've told i told the story on the podcast how I bought a Sherilyn Kenyon book that one time, right? Yes. Yeah. But I want to hear it again. I hadn't been reading for a long time. Long time. Like, I, I dropped out of high school. I started reading. I only was. I was only reading comics and yep. playing video games. Yep. And I started noticing my vo- so much vo- has changed. I started so noticing my changed. vocabulary. My oh oh no! <laughs> oh, my vocabulary no. sounds like someone needs to read some more Sherilyn Kenyon. <laughs> was slipping, so I was like, I need to start reading again. Yeah. And so I did. And but I was I, I didn't know what I liked because all I knew I liked was Jurassic Park and Animorphs. I love it. And so I picked up this book called. I can't even remember what it's called yeah. now. Nights, Dark Nights, something Nights. Yeah, I bet um, they were. And it was, it, it read like the the son of Morgan Le Fay yeah. and King and Lancelot yeah. has to fight yeah, back. Yeah. And I'm like, this sounds so cool. And I read it. It was just, you know, dirty sex scenes yeah. and uh, was that, it them referencing spam a lot. If you compare it to John Michael Crichton's Odds On, which was sexier? The Sherilyn Kenyon book or Odds On by Michael Crichton? Sherilyn Kenyon. Sounds like someone hasn't finished Odds On. (laughs) All right, continue with the list. Anyways, I finished the book. I'm going to... Nights of Darkness, I think it was. It's on your Goodreads. You can find it. I was young and naive. Yeah. I learned. Uh, Cersei is back at number seven. Madeline Miller. Who's reading this book? Who is it? Zeus banishes Helios' daughter to an island where she must choose between living with gods or mortals. Is this like... Is this a... What is this? I don't know. Is this I don't like know. a modern retail? Is she like from New York? I don't know. And now she's like, ah, oh, and, and she has to go to like a, she's like, oh, you don't have Wi-Fi? I wish I had ah, an answer. I'm Cersei. I wish I had an answer for Where's you. Where's my designer jeans? Where is it? Um, all right. So number six, Pieces of Her. Have we talked about this one? No, I don't know. Because it's new. No, it's been here for two weeks on this list. Anyway, Pieces of Her by Karen Slaughter. Uh, Karen Slaughterhouse 5. When a violent incident reveals her mother's secret past... Andrea Oliver searches for clues to save her. I've only read one Karen Slaughter. Uh-huh. All the all the pretty girls or something like that. And she slaughtered your but interest. Boy, did I hate that book. All right. I aggressively hated that book. Sandra Brown, Tailspin, number five. Uh, a pilot navigates treacherous situations when he attempts to deliver a mysterious black box yeah. to a doctor in Georgia. Yeah. Can't you just Georgia's not like a remote location. I feel like I feel like Sandra Brown. Is like the flavor strawberry banana. <laughs> what? And that it's it constantly shows up. Nobody asks for it. Nobody really wants it, but it's fine. And so they continue to have strawberry banana or read Sandra Brown. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't like milkshakes. Was the, oh, you don't mean strawberry banana milkshakes? No, I, just, I mean just in general, like yogurt or a or a like a smoothie. I like strawberry banana smoothie. Do you? Yeah. That's well, that's maybe a you'll standard. like Tailspin by Sandra Brown. Yeah. Is Sheer no, Khan like no Lex Luthor in this? You, are, you ask me that every week. All right. Uh, number four, The Outsider, Stephen King. Nick's not going to read it. 
I actually I find I had that one on hold for a million years too, uh-huh. and I finally got it, and it sat there, you know, just waiting. Right. And I just was like, no, I don't want, I don't want to read it. So I just sent it back. I sent it back. Oh, I yeah. probably will someday, but we got to read Cujo and uh, the Dead Zone mm-hmm. pretty soon for the Halloween book club. So oh, right, Cujo, I have time. Um, Ain't nobody got time for that. All right, number three. Uh, oh, it's the president is missing. James Patterson. Oh, Bill Clinton. Yeah, somebody else just... took him down. He yes. was at two. Now he's oh, at that's three. Right. Now he's at three. Mm. Yeah, don't cry too many tears for James Patterson because he's at number two oh. for Texas Ranger. Oh, uh, James Patterson and Andrew Borrelay. That, I mean, that is so uninteresting to me. And the cover of that looks like it was written by Linda Lale Miller. Hmm. Uh, Rory Yates' job and reputation are at risk when he's accused of killing his ex-wife. It doesn't help when they come to arrest him. And he's like, you're under arrest for the killing of your ex-wife. He's like, oh, I've thought about doing it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Not the time. It's not the time, Rory. <laughs> I've planned it. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I wish. <laughs> no, sir, really. <laughs> you have the right From to... your mouth to God's ears. You do have the right to remain <laughs> silent. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> no thanks, buckaroo. <laughs> Let me show you my gun collection. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you you want to know who took down James? two James Patterson? Two James Pattersons. Yeah, I do. Do you have a guess? A third James Patterson. Is uh, it Daniel Steele? Because I always guess Daniel Steele. I think yeah. it's usually going to be Daniel Steele. I Steel. got quite the surprise for you. J.R.R. Tolkien. The man's dead. Well, he took down James Patterson. He's dead. Nope. The Fall of Gondolin by J.R.R. Tolkien. What is this? Thousands of years before the events of The Lord of the Rings, a hero named Thor visits a secret city. Edited by rapscallion Christopher Tolkien. (laughs) Just when you thought you'd heard the end of the Tolkien estate, I have found this written on the back of a cereal box by my father in 1912. A mere three lines I've turned into 400 pages of scrawling, (laughs) epic J.R.R. Tolkien style. Yeah. Christopher Tolkien is the Nick Cage of... uh, of co-authors and that he he's having his own national treasure he's he's exploring yeah. old mines he's yeah. exploring ancient ancient cities oh, looking for hidden manuscripts of his father yeah so yeah uh he, christopher tolkien i mean pretty soon somebody else is gonna have to be like co-writing christopher tolkien they are yeah, yeah because christopher tolkien let me let me give you an age on chris tolkien you care to guess uh 93 93 oh my gosh exactly 93 really years old yep coming oh, up on the money on coming that. up but a big 94 in november so wow. early happy birthday to yeah. christopher tolkien yeah james tolkien writing for christopher tolkien writing yeah. for james rr R. tolkien yep. Yep. uh yep. yeah well it's i, I, think I it's, mean do you have any interest in this kind of stuff no, you don't. No, okay. I mean some people do. Uh, well, oh, sure, yeah. For, I think a lot of it always kind of struck me that. So, I mean, is this a novel? Yeah, I think it always struck me that like Lord of the Rings fans didn't really appreciate this extra stuff. They see it almost as like non-canon. But I right. could be wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I like the idea of a ninety-three-year-old Christopher Tolkien like exploring mines. Yeah, all curmudgeonly with his like super. Yeah. Like, it's just, know, it's just too much. Assistant. There's yeah. got to be other ways. Like, get a metal detector. You yeah. know what I mean? There's yeah, other sure. ways. Yeah. Started in 1917, yeah. by the way, and was spun into, like, the Cimmerillion, and now Chris Tolkien has gone back. Yeah, the fall of Gondolin. Yeah. So part of it's available in Unfinished Tales and that sort of thing. With illustrations by I Alan mean, Lee. good for people who are into this kind of thing, you know? I kind of yeah. wish that I was. I wish that I, you know, so I could anticipate this kind of mm. thing. I think it would be fun. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm, not, thi- I'm thinking... I'm never the, going to be. Yeah, no. I don't think... 
you'd like I'm it. not saying that I you, I'm, that's you don't what I'm like saying. silly I words I don't like silly words like when I'm like I read the fall of Gondolin I'm like okay this place is called Gondolin yeah. but you're like Gondolin yeah I just Blah. assume they're all in a little like England floating God. umbrella yeah. that yeah. goes from town to town yeah but yeah. I could be wrong I don't know yeah Nick I found this Jupdar I read the outside Hobbit. in the Goofdar deserts you'd be like oh I'm out that no that's from Dune what you just read I, <laughs> the Jupdar yeah right, the Jupdar yeah you put your hand in a Jupdar and it sends you Boy. through the gondola. That's Does what it's, it's all about. What? That, that was number one. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Well, I guess so. A lot of people. A lot of people don't care. Yeah. Chris Tolkien probably bought 30,000 copies of this. Just be like, see, there's still demand. <laughs> I found a little bit more. Yep. J.R. Tolkien wrote a spec script for Murphy Brown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just in time for the revival. I found it. I've dusted it off. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good for you, Chris. Yeah. Good for you. What if Bilbo teamed up with Matlock? <laughs> <laughs> No, see, then you have my interest. Why are you going <laughs> to yeah, do sure, that? Yeah. Jeez. All right. Are you having Bilbo Martin Freeman playing Bilbo? Or are you having uh Well, who are you Andy playing? I mean, Andy Griffith is gone, too. So oh, okay. I don't, I'm not sure. All right. He could be on the new Magnum P.I. Yeah. Or Bilbo and Magnum P.I. Uh, the guy hairy guys who right? does the thing with stuff. Yeah. He, he finds stuff and he turns it into other stuff. Takes a hairpin and toilet paper and turns it into an atom bomb. MacGyver. MacGyver. The new MacGyver. The new MacGyver. Yeah. Well, the... Talking about the new MacGyver is a perfect segue to our spotlight for today. Oh, wait. Uh, my notes say no, it's not. They're oh, not. Sorry. Anyway. Sorry. Uh, well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, our auditorium programs are beginning again here at the David A. Howe Public Library, uh, starting with a production of She Loves Me, which was actually, the show was just recently back on Broadway with Zachary Levy, Jane Krakowski, and others. Uh, won some Tony Awards. So there's a lot of goodwill for the Zachary show right Levy now. Zachary Levy can sing? Well, <laughs> he was in it. He wasn't great. Harsh. He was, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he hit the notes, but I didn't think it was particularly good. Nick has good. had a vendetta out for Zachary Levy <laughs> since even, I feel like before <laughs> Chuck even aired, there must have been something pre-Chuck I mean, that yeah, he did I to you. I don't particularly like Zachary Levy, but the, the recording funny. of She Loves Me, yeah. the new one, is yeah. just completely lacking in character. He's just mm. sort of like, he's hitting the notes. Mm-hmm. You can't say he's not hitting the notes, but there's just no charm to it. And the show is all charm. Like, that's right. just the only way that it works. But maybe okay. it's just a bad recording. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, do you think this is a situation where you don't like Zachary Levy and he doesn't like you, but like that's something you say and Zachary Levy's like, I like Nick. He's fine. Does he? No, so now I feel bad. <laughs> now I feel bad. Yeah. I will see Shazam. Yeah. You would have seen okay. Shazam anyway. Yeah, you're you, right. You're but such I, a Mark Strong but normally fan. I would have bought the new cast recording of She Loves Me, but much like the new Bette oh, Midler, yeah. Hello Dolly, they just do nothing for me. Are you going to buy the new cast recording of Shazam? Cold recordings. Maybe no. I will. Maybe I will. Anyway, Straight. if you're not both Solomon... That's it? I was going to sing the whole Shazam. Okay. If you're not familiar with the show She Loves Me, uh, it is also based on... It's, uh, kind of a, a, it's a Hungarian play that was adapted into the Jimmy Stewart movie, The Shop Around the Corner. It was adapted again in the Judy Garland Van Johnson movie in The Good Old Summertime, which is not a good movie. Mm-hmm. And then it was adapted one more time into one of my favorites, You've Got Mail, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah. There are a few scenes in You've Got Mail that are almost verbatim the same, right? Uh, which is what verbatim means Okay. in She Loves Me. So if you're a fan of any of those movies, come check it out. Other, I mean, even if you're not, though, the, the music's good. The story's fun. It's about two people who uh, in real life don't like each other and don't realize that they've been like secret pen pals in a Lonely Hearts uh, letter writing club. So anyway, it's a good show. Okay. And we're going to sit down and talk to some cast members. Uh, both from the original production and some who are new to this new production. Well, I'm here with the stars of our 10th anniversary production of She Loves Me, Mike Cox and Amanda Cox. Say hello. 
Hello. Hello, everyone. That was nice. The way you shared there was really, it was was cute. (laughs) Mike's been on the show once before. We recorded down in the auditorium for our Neil Simon spotlight, which we were just recently, unfortunately, talking about again because of the passing of Neil Simon. Uh, We're sitting here now because, as we mentioned, the auditorium is, we're restaging a production of She Loves Me, which we first did 10 years ago, which I directed when I was about 25. And Mike and Amanda play George and Amalia from uh, from She Loves Me. So I want to get into a little bit about what it's like to go back and do this again. Because I know I've had some weird moments where I was like, whoa, you know, because I remembered like doing that scene 10 years ago. But first, I already told them a little bit about what the show is about. But I want to hear a little bit about why you guys are drawn to this show, why, why you like the show. I love this show. I find it incredibly charming and nostalgic. And I love... Um, just the story of two people who completely misunderstand one another in person <laughs> right. and little do they know that they actually are drawn to one another when they sort of look past the experiences and the arguments and the things that they have gone through together mm. to just look at the letters, which is sort of like a like a clean, uncut version of one another. Right. And so they get a better sense of who they really are. Um, and it's just kind of a... I don't know, it's kind of a reminder to, to look past the, the first thing that you see about someone and to, to know better who they are as a person, to give them a chance to, to show you who they really are. Hmm. We got a nice deep answer to start with. So, Mike, <laughs> you're on the spot now. What, do you, what, what, do you, what draws you to this? Well, th- what I like about George as a character is that he's really his own worst enemy. Yeah. Because if he would just allow himself to be the person that he is on paper, just out front, he might actually do a lot better in life with socializing, being mm-hmm. friends. I mean... His one friend in the store is sort of a simpering coward. <laughs> right, right. But he could actually have, I think, deeper, meaningful relationships if he let himself be what he is on paper. Mm. Um, and I think once he realizes that he has a little fun with it, but but a definite plan mm-hmm. to, to be that person yeah. more. Well, I uh, I already ragged a little bit about directing a musical and how I like directing plays better. But uh, she loves me is is one of those exceptions because it does. There's some meat to the story. You know, it's not like you're saying. I mean, it's not just to like, oh, it's a nice looking boy and a cute girl and will they, won't they? You know, there is there is a lot of like give and take and a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that. Once before have I played a role twice, a couple years apart, but nothing like this, like yeah. with the 10-year gap. Because we have, let's see, um, Paul Young is reprising his role as uh, Mr. Marichek, the owner of the shop. Then we have the two of you. We have a few members of the ensemble. And of course, I directed both. But what does it feel like to, to be doing this show again? Do you feel different about the characters now that you're older? It's been so fun. I always tell people that Amalia is my favorite character mm. that I've ever played. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure what it is, it's, if it's her, her quirkiness or just her, I don't know. She's just really, really fun. Um, but I have loved playing her again 10 years later because both in my own thoughts about her and things that you have drawn out that we just didn't notice 10 years ago or maybe we're sure. just different people now. Right. You know, we've had different experiences and so we, we draw different things out of the characters. Um, but even the ways that, you know, some of our arguments go differently than they did 10 years ago yeah. and um, and the end of the show goes differently than it did 10 years ago. I mean, you know, it's yeah. the same ending, right, ending. Right. But you know what I mean? It, yeah, we the we mood, get the there vibe, a little yeah. bit differently. Absolutely. And it, and it works. It works so well. And it's like she's the she's the same character but i'm finding new attributes of her Mm -hmm. than i did then so it's like for me she's she's even more fleshed out she's even more real Mm -hmm. than she was 10 years ago okay all right what about you mike what do you think i agree with a lot of that (laughs) no but no but it's absolutely true i think i think there were some things that that i look back and it's it 
to some degree, it would be like a different viewing of George. Yeah. Because I think there are some things where maybe I rushed into my annoyance a little more, whereas mm-hmm. now it's a little more playful at times. But, you know, we still have to be annoyed with each other. So right. I think I think it's just a different progression, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so someone who maybe were watching him back to back would see, oh, yeah, I can see those two differences. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's enough of a subtle change that no one's going to feel like, well, that was completely wrong either way. Yeah. It's just a different tone and progression. Yeah. Well, I think... I think age, I mean, just speaking for myself, I feel like age matters, you know, like the different experiences I've had in the last 10 years or whatever, um, you know, and, and being very familiar with the characters more so now than I probably was 10 years ago. You know, you can find little moments and little like connections that I think it, we did just miss before and some things that aren't really there, but we want to be there. So we kind of like tweak things a little bit and, and, you know, and make it our own, which, which I really enjoyed. How did you, uh, both of you, how did you first come across this show 10 years ago? I first saw this show um, when I was in grad school in Miami. Okay. They did it. Together, the, right? Yeah, we went together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the fun. The University of Miami was putting it on, I think, my second year there. And so we just went to see it. And I was just charmed. Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely charmed by it. I loved it so much. And um, and then a girl also sang Vanilla Ice Cream, which oh, is yeah. one of the songs that I sing um, in in one of the studio classes that I attended. Okay. Just a different girl who wasn't the one in the show. And I just thought, well, this is just the most fun ever. I need to think of a way mm-hmm. to ever play this role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we manufactured a way. It's, it's a fun ensemble because there's, you know, like well, I, I first saw this in Michigan with a friend of mine who was working at a, a theater and he had free tickets. So we went and like watching it, you know, especially then. Now, I guess when I see a show, I think like how I would direct it. And back then I thought like how I would play those characters, you know. <laughs> and this was one where... I sort of latched on to multiple characters. Mm-hmm. I thought like, oh, I would like to play that. I would like to play that. I would like yeah. to play that. And it's the same way. I mean, there are several characters in the show that I think would be fun to like play yep. as an actor, which, you know, I think speaks to the strength of the show. Oh, yeah. Um, what about you, Mike? Oh, I guess same thing. You guys saw it together. Yeah, we yeah, saw it. So. We saw it together. But uh, I, I actually never had any strong feelings about, oh, I would oh, love okay. to be in this show. Um, it's funny. Actually, uh, as I've gotten older, uh, yeah. there are certain roles like the waiter. Yeah. I would love to. Do oh right, yeah. It would just be so that much is. fun to, to just make everything about that role that yeah. you can. So, as an audience member, I think every character is going to have something that you're going to be like, yeah. "Oh, I love that yeah, so it's true. much." It's true, and that's that's not always the case in musical theater. You know, usually you have kind of a star power. You know, you have like a star vehicle where you have like yep. one, maybe two really good roles, and then everybody else kind of supports those. But here, you know, I feel like there's really not a bad role. Like everybody sure. really has a good a good thing to do and could quite possibly be someone's favorite character where, you, you know, if you look at something like The Sound of Music or something, like that's not quite as, yep. you know, you don't have that so much because you have like leads and supporting. Whereas this just feels like... Certainly there are bigger roles, but the ensemble overall is just, you know, they're strong characters, and so they're a lot of fun to play. So, all right, uh, final thoughts. L- let me ask you, favorite song? doesn't have to be one of your own, <laughs> but a song that you think, like, that's the one. Yeah, it's definitely mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, She Loves Me. The title I mean, it's, song. Yeah. All right. It's just so, so much good. fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about you? It is Vanilla Ice Cream. It's just okay. my absolute favorite. I just love the way she keeps switching back and forth between yeah. thinking about that guy and that guy and that guy, yeah. who are, you know, the same guy. Right. But it's just so, it's so like, ah, all over the place. It's really fun. I've always loved the Kodai song, Ilona. <laughs> yeah. That's probably, that's probably my favorite, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. But okay. Well, thanks so much for doing this. We're going to grab some more people. Woohoo. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, we just talked with some of the old guards, so I thought I'd bring a couple of uh, the new cast members in right now. So, guys, uh, one at a time, why don't you tell me your name and your character? <laughs> Hi, my name is Joshua Ellis. Um, I'm a freshman at Houghton College. 
And um, I play the character Stephen Kodai, um, <laughs> who is a complete scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just been really fun so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say you're playing a scoundrel because your voice is like this silky smooth NPR <laughs> voice right now. You're like, hey, I'm Joshua Ellis. And I <laughs> <laughs> he brings his swagger for Stephen Kodai, let me oh tell you. Gosh. I was just telling Mike and Amanda that we were talking about favorite songs and things. Mm -hmm. And secretly, so Vanessa, just plug your ears. Kodai has uh, always been my favorite character in this show. I, when I first saw it, you know, like 12 years ago, I just loved that character. I love it on the recordings. It's just the songs are so cool. Uh, and Alona is probably my favorite song of the whole show. It's a great. Do you, do you enjoy that one? I do. I think uh, definitely my songs. I mean, not just because they're my songs, yeah. but <laughs> my songs are the fa my favorite songs yeah, like, yeah. in the entire show. Because they're so different they are. from everything else in the show. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we discussed that in rehearsal a little bit. Kodai's songs. He's got Alona, which is kind of a romancy song. And Grand Knowing You is just all about being <laughs> smug and cocky, you know. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I was definitely typecast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> boy that guy's awful perfect <laughs> but <laughs> but they do they sort of they sort of like take you out of the you know not that the show's like all super cutesy but a lot of it is and the kodai songs are just like okay we're in a whole different ball game now everybody look out here comes steven kodai but it's, it's why i love the character because he just really shakes things up like whenever yeah. he's there he's yeah. just working on a whole different level than everyone else but anyway vanessa take the mic hi i'm vanessa farnsworth i play arpad on two of the nights. That's right. Yeah, I'm basically just a super excited, hardworking kid yeah. who wants to be a clerk. Yeah. Want to be with a big Yeah, guy. she's just loving life. She just wants to be one of the big kids and, and get yeah. dragged along. Yeah, all right. So, hey, hey, were you familiar with the show at all? Not really at all. Okay. I listened to the soundtrack and I got really excited. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I really love the music. Have you seen any of the movies that are the same story? There's Shop Around the Corner and... I Good. have. Oh, you have? A little bit. Okay. And I didn't realize they were like that. Uh, okay. Until you made references. Okay. <laughs> I love You've Got Mail. That's one of my that's one of my favorites. You know that one, Josh? Yes. Nice. Okay, good. Uh, all right. So you are playing Arpad, and the other nights you're playing the busboy with our smarmy waiter in that scene. And uh, the interesting thing about that is that we we kind of cut that whole thing 10 years ago. It was just it was a space thing and um, so we just kind of lopped it out. So it's fun to have that back again. But what do you think of the restaurant scene? super crazy and super fun to have like <laughs> be dropping things yeah. on purpose right and right i'm klutzy normally so the fact i get to do it on purpose yeah is a new a new turn for yeah me. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you can lean right into your talents so yes. <laughs> dropping things just drop them professionally that's great <laughs> um yeah so you guys are both new uh, to the cast, uh, Vanessa you you worked with us here right here at the library last year in um, what is it? Grand Eye for Singing, yes. right? So what what is it like? What do you like about this space, this stage? I like how there's like a big space for us when we're not on stage. Oh, I know. Just like read lines and we don't have to worry about the flashlight yeah. getting out on the out on the stage. Absolutely. It's just very roomy and very cool. It is. And I, I've worked in theaters where like one side of the stage was basically just a closet, you know, and the other side pretty much is just a hallway. So here it does. It really feels luxurious. I like it a lot. Um, Josh, do you uh, tell us a little bit about your background? Have you have you done a lot of theater in the past? Have you done? I have. Yeah. Um, you have a favorite role? Recently, I um, I was in uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh. And honestly, it's yep, one of I've my least show. favorite shows. Really? It is. But... I played Joseph, and it was one of my favorite, like the oh, yeah. best characters I've done. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly loved 
playing yeah. the role of Joseph. <laughs> well, I mean, what's great about that show and a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff is just the way it's every scene is kind of a different style. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So if if you can if you can do it, it's a lot of fun because you know rather than kind of being shoehorned into like this is like 60s musical style mm-hmm. you know you just go one to yeah, one to one yeah. so you get you get a lot of uh, there's a lot of range in that show Absolutely. so i think it would have been great where, where did you do that um that was um at my high school that okay. was senior year and where are you from um, originally i'm from fredonia area oh sure um so yeah. forestville is like tiny okay yeah <laughs> town. yeah yeah um but yeah i uh and i haven't really done any theater in the past year okay because um, freshman yeah, yeah. year was crazy sure. and first semester i did i was in an opera Okay. Um, was what Minotti. was it? Um, it was uh, uh, the old maid and the thief. Okay. Um, and then second semester, I wasn't able to um, yeah. be on campus because yeah. I was actually uh, studying abroad. Oh, um, that's cool. Where did you go? So I was in London. Nice. Um, for for a couple months. Nice. Um, I I also went to Houghton. In my second semester, you? I was supposed to do a London semester, oh. and it got canceled. Oh, you're kidding! I, and I that never got to go. Year. That was it. It oh, was heartbroken. No. Because that yeah. was the because they, they had a hiatus for the whole program. No, this was a totally. This was oh, so long ago. I'm I'm a very old person, but <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the traditional Houghton one. It was a different thing. But anyway, oh, okay. it was really. I was so sad because oh. my wife did that as well. The, yeah. She did the London Honors thing and mm-hmm. loved it. But oh yeah, it was an incredible. Oh, that's incredible great. What a great experience. Yeah. Is there is there that role out there that you just oh, you got to do? Uh, Monty Navarro in Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Oh, I I, I don't know that show. Um, I'm not familiar it, with it. It recently. Um, I believe it won a Tony. And, really? Um, okay. And they came to Shay's Buffalo Theater. Oh. Um, and I got to like touch the Tony that they won. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like wow. thrilling. No. <laughs> yeah, really? Um, no, but yeah, it's it's so funny. It, it has like, I think four people in the cast or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, very, very small cast. Uh-huh. And um, I love small shows oh, like yeah. that. And it, and like four, three of the, three of the, um, the people play the same character. Oh, okay. All right. And then one person is like all of these different people dressed oh, wow. up and they, they do all sorts of like, like he's um, a grandmother. He's like all of these okay. crazy roles and it's so funny. Yeah, but, that um, would be great. I love yeah. conceptual stuff like that oh, yeah. where you just kind of like you mm-hmm. take the normal and you sort of like look at it in a different way. And w- when done correctly, I feel like that can be so moving, you oh, know, as a theater experience. Yeah. So that sounds really interesting. I'll have to look into it. Well, thanks so much for joining us, you guys. And everybody remember the show is this weekend. You can see it in Houghton or in Wellsville. So thanks, guys. So that's been cool. Have you ever, have you had any experience with doing, like doing that sort of thing? You no. haven't, right? Nope. You haven't done like a show twice or anything like that. No. I've done it very few. I played Albert and Bye Bye Birdie twice, okay. like five years apart. I was in Father of the Bride and then like 15 years later, maybe 10, I directed Eric in a production of Father of the Bride. Oh yeah. Did you, did you enjoy being in Father of the Bride? I can't remember. Sometimes. You did? Yeah. You liked it? <laughs> okay. But this is the first time I've actually like gone back and redirected something. So right. it's been an interesting experience. I love the original, the Broadway cast recording, the original with uh, Barbara Cook and um, Jack Cassidy is great. Okay. Uh, and I also like the 90s recording. Fun thing about the 90s recording. It's got Trevor two Reznor of the characters from 90s in Nails. it. No, but the waiter is played by the guy who did Jafar. Oh, and the funny. little like teen delivery boy is played by the singing voice of Aladdin. Oh, so you have them both yeah. on that recording. And that's that's fun. Well, of course, the big library news is the play coming up. Oh, boy. So that did is... Did we not just do a whole segment on this, we Nick? We did. We did. <laughs> but the dates are as follows. 7 o'clock on Saturday the 15th. Uh-huh. 2 o'clock, uh, we're closing on a matinee. Tuesday, or sorry, Sunday at 2 o'clock on the 16th. And both of these performances are generously sponsored by the Friends of the Library. So totally free. Just stop in, show up, listen to the show. Mm-hmm. The week after that, the Allegheny Arts Association is sponsoring a concert from Casual Reply. Uh, 
And then we have History Week. So History Week uh, oh, is the last, yes. last week of September. We'll have uh, tons of displays going on. We'll be doing library tours. We have a, a historical lecture in the auditorium every single night. Daft that Bunk. also happens to be Banned Book Week. So we'll be talking about banned books. And we're also leading a book club on Ernest Hemingway's Farewell to Arms, which is going to run. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thursday that week. Thursday the 20, whatever that is. Yeah. Do you know what date that is? What? The 27th? Thursday. The, yeah, it is. Thursday the 27th. Good job. Thanks. The other book clubs are reading... What is it? Cujo? No, not yet. Uh, not yet. Gentlemen, Gentlemen in, in Moscow. Moscow. Yes, by Immortals. And the page turners is reading Sharp Objects mm. by Gillian Flynn. Ugh. So if you've seen the show, uh, I think there's some differences. So come check it out. And yeah. if you haven't, it's a good book. Yeah. It sure. is a good book. It's a dark book. There's no, no question you. about that. But it is, it's very good. It's very good. You so put a razor blade ones. on your cover, you've promised... Yourself, I'll never read it. Well, that is a pretty interesting part of the story. I guess. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's very psychological yeah. in that way. What about you? What do you got going on? Uh, what do I got going on? We got our, our new Wednesday night teen night. I'm yeah, excited about that. RK Tuesdays are back at 3 to 5 yeah. on Tuesdays. That's where they the name. Sing, sing the music of Arcade Fire. Huh. Is that right? No. Oh, okay. Well, might have, there might be some merit there. Okay. Uh, the 12th, we have our teen... Well, all Wednesdays, we have our teen night from yeah. 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, and then we're showing... What is it? Solo? We're showing Solo we? on the 5th. Oh, that's fun. I need Since s- nobody saw it in theaters, this is a perfect that's, time. Yeah, I need something. I mean... I guess it's come on. No, it's kids. It, I think. Th- I mean, I think people will like it if yeah. they watch it. Um, yeah. And we've also got Moana scheduled for the seventeenth at three thirty. Wait, you can't be Moana. I am Moana. Oh, okay. Thank you. Because I am. Moana. I'm sorry that I missed the setup for that. That's otherwise fine. flawless joke. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really a joke. I agree. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, anything else you, you care to mention for the good of the podcast? No, I guess that's it. Okay. Um, well, next week we're oh. going to be talking. Oh, no, I know. No, you're okay. right. I next week we're going to be talking about Michael Crichton's debut in the publishing world, Odds On, yeah. by uh, writing as John Lang, but written by Michael Crichton. He, Michael, Part of the, Cri- uh, Michael Crichton is dead. He is. We should say. So, like, he's dead. His debut is in the 60s. This will be our third, I think, yeah. episode on Michael Crichton. That's true. Because we did one of the very, maybe even episode two. It was like Spotlight, on, spotlight Michael on Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. And then a few months back, we did... Uh, we did the Dragon Teeth one. We did the posthumous releases. So we talked about yeah. Pirate's Latitude. I almost said Pirate's Booty, but yeah. it's Pirate's Latitude. Yeah, that's right. And Micro, which is very good. Right. But anyway, we're going to be talking about his debut, talking a little bit about uh, changes from early Michael Crichton to yeah. latter-day Michael Crichton. Yeah. So should be a good time. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Remember to rate the podcast on iTunes or anywhere that you can rate us. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. Like and share. You're just on somebody's forum. You know the drill. They're talking about like the next Tom Cruise movie. Be like, you know what? I really like this podcast, The All the Book Show. Five stars. Perfect. Go well, ahead. We did talk that. about a Tom Cruise movie in this episode, so it's a perfect tie-in. Last Samurai. Last Samurai. Well, we, oh, we, yeah. And check out, what's that podcast again? Nostalgia Me This. Nostalgia Me This. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll see you next week.